Welcome to Vancouver True Crime. My name is Mark. I am the host of the show and I have a very special guest, Narcissus Survivor. We did a show on love bombing and it's been a little while since we did a show, but here we're back together again. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me back. I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm. We're going to be talking about maybe the Adam H situation yeah. today. You know, just how that ties into narcissism and. Well, a lot of these cases, like we talk about, it's someone that infiltrates a community, and because they want the respectability, they want to be seen as a helper, a good guy. You know, the mile-long resume, the all the wonderful things they do but then behind closed doors they turn out to be an abuser you know there's so many cases that cross different organizations right and and it's unfortunate because most organizations should have something in place you know especially when we're talking about this adam age so for listeners uh, i've been working on a podcast for survivors who are going through recovery who experience abuse at the hands of a person that's a personal trainer. We'll call him Adam H for now. If you go to my Instagram page, you'll see some posts I made about him. From what I know now is the new Westminster police have charged him with 10 counts of sexual assault. His abuse seems to have been ongoing since the early 2010 and to present day. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot of victims. I talked to one lady she believes that there is a possibility that the victims could be in the hundreds also too on the male side a guy actually sent me a message yesterday and this is very important a platform is about you know stopping abuse to women men and children he made a made a point he says a lot of men were victimized from because they were just invulnerable and then he would power trip they'd make one mistake and then he'd throw them out but if they were a woman oh they'd give them a he would give them a chance as long as they did something uh, sexual favor from as as, as what they yeah. allege. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's shocking and it's terrible how someone in a position of trust can abuse that for that length of time. I'm interviewing more people and anyone listening who knows about this situation, please contact me. I want to hear your testimony and, and understand the experiences you've been through. I want to say that recovery is a very important thing. It's a thing dear to my heart. I went through the Vancouver Detox Clinic in the 2000, uh, early 2000s when I used to binge drink, do stupid things, and it was affecting my life and affecting my relationships, and it helped me very much. And so when you're going through recovery, when you make that choice to take those steps to clean up sobriety, you need a fighting chance. So at that time, when someone abusing you can could be very dangerous, and it could prevent you from wanting to get help, which could Absolutely. lead you into a dangerous situation. Which it's alleged that this has happened. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. He was a personal trainer. It's all about health. He ingratiates himself. He develops, tries to develop a personal relationship. There's a power dynamic due to age, due to his, maybe his financial background. Yep, status. Yep. His status. Yep. And then the person who's getting help, they're rebuilding their lives. They're at, they're at ground zero, rebuilding everything. I mean, the first thing that jumps out at me, honestly, with this story is mm-hmm. uh, a couple things jump out, but who thinks it's a good idea to put male figures in charge of a vulnerable female population yeah you know start with that Mm -hmm. um who thought that was a good idea Mm -hmm. you know no no offense to males anywhere but when you're in recovery when you are in such a vulnerable place Mm -hmm. 
these guys are predators. Narcissists, psychopaths, sociopaths, they are predators. They prey on vulnerable people. And you, if you are a shark, you're mm-hmm. going to go where where there's blood in the water yeah. type of thing. Yeah. You know the places to target. You know the people that are going to be the most easy to target. And, and here you are. You're you're in charge of a whole. We have a continuous pool yes, of yes. vulnerable people that you can victimize. So, from my understanding, there's okay. There's two organizations that are connected to each other at play. Uh, mm-hmm. There's New Westminster House, who's been around for 40 years. And again, I don't want to discount the good works they do. They have done good work. No, they have done all. life-saving yeah. work. And then there's the last door. I believe that Adam was more affiliated to the last door. The new Westminster House is, is women only. And then the yeah. last door is, is males, right? But they yeah. have cross, yeah, they do integrated community stuff, meetings, that sort of thing. He was a personal trainer, so he was known, oh, he's a personal trainer. He works with the last door. He was very, apparently very aggressive on social media. If you got your number or your or your uh, social media, they he'd send you lots of texts and stuff. So again, you know, here, you know, you're a vulnerable woman. This guy's taking an interest in you. Everyone's saying he's a safe person. He has ties to the, the higher up people that are in charge. He brings in lots of money and donations. So he had a lot of clout in that community from my, what my understanding is. And then he would find a way to get a loan with a girl or, or providing them apartments, right? That's where the power trip came in, from my understanding. Telling me sort of the story of what happened. And I mean, that's that's a common tactic for mm-hmm. for these predators to you literally ingratiate yourself into these places or organizations or whatever, make yourself appear trustworthy. Mm-hmm. You know, you're very helpful all of those things. And for me, those things set off alarm bells. But right. for most people who have not experienced narcissists or narcissism or, or any of the, these other types of, of sociopaths mm-hmm. and predators, mm-hmm. you know, you're thinking, oh, wow, this is great. He's a great guy. He's yeah. doing all these things, blah, 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 blah. And, and for your average person, you know, these are all great things. When you list them out like that, mm-hmm. they're great and wonderful. Yeah. But again, correlate that to, to the stories that you hear about <laughs> other types of similar situations and predators, whether that, that be in re- religious areas or it's it's bringing the yoga community to mind. Yeah, you know? the Vikram yoga diet. Right? Yeah. I mean, gross. not to shit talk anybody or, you know, to be down on all men or, or anything like mm. that. But I always say, you know, women, when they're in vulnerable positions, should be seeking out other women. Yes. You know, instead of you get into that danger zone of following sort of these gurus and this guy giving a little bit guru vibes being a you know giving Bikram vibes he's a personal trainer in that and I mean just have women support women until they're sort of stand on their own again and and be able to differentiate 
you know, between someone who wants to prey on you and mm -hmm. somebody. It's important to work on yourself. You got almost being very yes. selfish in your self-development. It's not the time to have a relationship or pursue a relationship because. At all. Yeah. You know, that was, that was very stressed for me when I, when I went through it, I actually went through it twice. In the organization I was in, relationships were really frowned upon. Because that's oh, not yeah. the time to, to pursue a relationship. This is for you. It's to get new life skills, get new abilities to survive the world. Because drugs, temptation, alcohol, stressors, all those things don't go away in life, right? We just have to learn Absolutely. better ways of coping mechanisms and how to navigate our complex, very stressful world we live in. Yeah. It's terrible that the damage that he could have done and, and have, have done potentially we're looking at a large pool of victims. And I asked too, some of these women, because they were so vulnerable, do you believe that they might have relapsed because of the experience 100%. they had? And they said yes. Many people said yes. And some of them, because of that relapse, have died because how dangerous yeah, the drugs are. I was thinking now. that. Yeah. It's, it's murder, really. Yes. If you're going to look at it that way, you know what I mean? You're going to take somebody and you're going to crush them. You know, it, it correlates to any type of domestic violence. You're going to take somebody and break them down and crush their yes. spirit to yeah. such an extent that death or relapse or even taking your own life becomes a, a viable option. As I said, the stories, and again, we're gonna, I'm going to make a podcast with uh, the victims. We're going to get more deeper in this. I thought it'd be great to talk about it with you because these types of abuse crossover, and I even asked, asking people's opinions who've had interactions do you believe he's on the narcissist scale and they said oh absolutely he, mm -hmm. he checks all the boxes back in the day you know when i used to hear the word narcissist i used to say attribute that to a person that was arrogant kind of pompous and that's not necessarily the case so maybe let's talk about the different types of narcissists the different spectrums of them and some people say well you know everybody's a little bit narcissistic and whatnot and i mean Again, narcissism is on a spectrum. So you, you can have someone that is high in narcissistic traits, let's mm -hmm. say. And I mean, everybody thinks of Kim Kardashian. We'll right. just use that I'll as an example. That. Okay. So you can have somebody that's, you know, highly narcissistic. They're really into themselves, etc. They don't have the full-blown narcissistic personality disorder. Right. But I like to say that somebody who is highly narcissistic can change with time and usually with something when something traumatic happens to them in life, you know, like some type of a near-death experience, let's just say, mm -hmm. and they can sort of have some type of epiphany. But that's that's very rare. It doesn't mm -hmm. always happen. Right. So I, I tend not to mention that because it can give people false hope, right. you know? So, you know, when you're, and we're going to be talking about trauma bonds later, but mm -hmm. when you developed a trauma bond with somebody, mm -hmm. it's very hard to accept that they are abusive. They are a narcissist. They're not good for you. You just want this person to change right. and love you and be the person that they were when they were love bombing you in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. But this is the same story, whether you're just, I don't want to say just, but wh whether you're with an abuser or a narcissist, right. it's very hard for even just a run of the mill abusive partner to change. Yes. It's exponentially harder for somebody that's high in narcissistic traits to change. It's like a double 
you have a double whammy now. It, it, generally speaking, when I witnessed or even myself been in not necessarily even romantic relationship, but just in relationships, even work relationship, a boss that's an ogre, or you do uh, adapt to their level of abuse, even myself, right? You know, like, like for example, I had a boss, and this is like the early, early days when I did I was in the stock market industry. This guy was nuts. He was probably doing coke and booze all night. He oh, would fly God. off the handle over the littlest thing, like throw those empty eight liter cooler water bottle against someone, ask him a question. He'd just go nuts. He'd grab it, smash against the wall. This, you're in fear. You're in eggshells, right? You're afraid if you ask him the wrong question, he might. And I couldn't imagine what it would be like to be in a relationship with a guy like that. He was married, but even though he wasn't very faithful. But oh, I couldn't well, imagine, yeah. like, because it's yeah. almost like it is very effective tool to use very subtle and overt terrorism on people, right? Like, you say that to me, oh, my God, I'm going to freak out. I'm going to start smashing stuff. And it's all your fault because you set me off. So, therefore, yeah. you don't want to set them off, right? So, you yeah. start changing your behavior. And I did, you know, in these circumstances, you know, tiptoeing, talking a soft voice, you know what I mean? Yeah. Ready to yeah. apologize immediately. It, it being in a in a personal relationship with someone like that, especially behind closed doors, how quickly it could lead to abuse. Hard to explain it to people outside of it. And then people, of course, who are not in the situation have a very black and white view saying, oh, well, you should just leave them. Why don't, Why don't you just them? leave? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. The, okay, so let's break down this. The conditioning that you get for from abuse, you know, almost like that, what's that? famous Russian experiment with the dogs, Pavo, the Pavo. Yeah, 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 that yeah. you get conditioned. And then why is it hard for someone to first realize and then get out? Thing that we talk about on here, I always recommend that if people are curious about something or whatever, just get on Google. The the story of Pavlov's dog is fascinating, and reading about that is is really really relates to what we're talking about. So I mean, basically, what happens when you're with somebody like that, and if you are walking on eggshells, there's a there's a hundred percent chance that you are being abused in some way whether yeah. that's verbally mentally emotionally abuse does not mean that somebody is beating the shit out of you every day right. it's way more subtle than that and it starts off again on a spectrum abuse starts very subtly it starts with the love bombing phase and it escalates over time will eventually usually get physical unless you leave mm -hmm. sooner as you know, doing what you do, it sometimes escalates to the point of murder. Yes. The way we develop a trauma bond, you want to touch on that? Yeah, for sure. Let's get into it. So you start off, obviously you don't start off and the guy takes you out on a first date and punches you in the face. And you're like, yeah, oh yeah, I, I think I'll, hmm. right? You know, I think I'll go out on date number two after that. It always starts with love bombing. So... When somebody is really charming, they're really going to town with you at the beginning. They love you really quickly or they want to move in with you. These are kind of extreme examples, yeah. but they do happen frequently. Give, showering you with gifts, attention, texting you all the time, calling, all that stuff. So you think, wow, this person is great. I, I love being treated this way. This has never happened before. Um, he must really be into me and, mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. So, okay, great. Love bombing is designed to have you fall in love quick. And it's also 
meant to have you blow by the red flags that you are noticing are happening so fast that you're that they just end up in the in the rear view mirror. Yeah, basically. it's on a high speed train, so to speak. Hundred percent. Things that start to shift and change, and usually these guys uh, do something called intermittent reinforcement. Okay. Which is pretty self explanatory, but uh, on and off, hot yes, and cold, hot and cold, roller coaster. Right. Any, if you're using any of those things to describe your relationship, that's that's what's going on. That leads into the cycle of abuse, which is, I'll break that down in two ways. Mm -hmm. Cycle of abuse, they usually use that for run-of-the-mill abusers. Right. Not, not narcissists necessarily, but it applies. So it starts with love bombing uh, or the honeymoon phase, mm -hmm. it's also called. Then it goes into, you, you always know, and it's the walking on eggshells part. Right. And that's called tension building because it is. You you sort of sense a bit of a shift and you don't want to piss this person yeah, off. So yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. you are literally walking on eggshells. Yeah. You're just waiting, waiting for the thing to happen. Mm -hmm. And then the thing does happen and they call that stage, the explosion stage. Mm -hmm. Like you described with your boss. Yeah. Oh, freak out. <laughs> freak out, right? Yeah. Smashing stuff. It, it might get physical at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, punching holes in the drywall yeah. and then it goes into um, and picture this as a big circle right mm -hmm. so and then it goes into the ghosting phase or the yeah, silent treatment right. things just you know like the, it's like the calm after the storm type of thing which it is mm -hmm. and then it starts back up at the top of the wheel back up at the love bombing stage so after you've gone through this intense emotional situation with this person, yeah. you're, you're feeling terrible. It's like you're a roller feeling coaster ride. it is like a roller coaster ride, and you desperately want to get back to the feeling good times. Mm -hmm. um, and they do it. This is when the person is remorseful. I'm so sorry. Oh my God, here's some flowers. I love yeah. you so much. It'll never happen again. And before you know it, you've done that whole circle again. And this can repeat and repeat and repeat for years and years and years. Okay. And that's how people get stuck yeah. in these cycles of abuse. You're really becoming changed by the, the circumstance. And you do. You 100% become changed by it. And when you get accustomed to living in that cycle that way with the walking on eggshells and I used to describe it as like sort of throwing all my love, like pouring all my love into like a black hole. And when you're in that tension building phase, you are doing absolutely everything to appease this person, whether that be cooking the dinners that they like, oh, yeah. doing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Doing sexual things that you don't feel comfortable with. That's very common just to appease this person you do become you're living in fear a lot of the time most of the time walking on eggshells is is the number one indi indicator like i said that you are in some type of ongoing abusive situation but because of the way the cycle works and that you circle back to the to the love bombing phase mm -hmm. every time you think, oh my God, maybe this time it'll stick. Maybe this time they mean it. Maybe they won't do it again. Maybe they really are sorry. 
and often, you know, that's the point where counseling will be offered. Oh, we'll go to counseling. Well, I'll go to counseling. I'll go to counseling. And a lot of times that's just offered so that you will stay in the relationship. The, the pendulum of traumatizing, belittling, and then affection. Oh, I didn't mean that. I had a bad day. Oh, you're so crazy. If you only did this, everything would be, you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the, the back and forth, right? So one of the things that quite common from being in a narcissistic or an abusive type of relationship is post-traumatic stress. Yes. Maybe talk about what is post-traumatic. Well, what I will say, maybe I'll just preface that with um, earlier I was going to break down the cycle of of abuse into two versions, the the one that abusers use and the one that's specifically sort of narcissist related, and Mm -hmm. that's the idealize, devalue, and discard. Right. And that probably hit home for a lot of people, and that that relates to what we're going to talk about next, because... When you're constantly being devalued, and and you did touch on that too, you know, oh, you're so stupid, you're fat, nobody will want you, nobody will love the way that I do. And that's more of a psychological tool, right? It's, It's emotional abuse, you know, you are really tanking that person's self esteem, so that they won't have the strength to leave you. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage people to look up, and usually what, it's not recognized in the DSM, which is the, you know, the manual of the right. Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of, of Disorders, where you find narcissism and all these things. So they have not yet included complex PTSD. There's a large contingent of people that are trying to get that included because it's not PTSD is usually something that is incident specific. So in other words, it's something that, you know, like a car accident, plane crash, one traumatic incident that that you've been through war that causes just this deep trauma. But when it's constant and consistent over time, all these small injuries, it's called complex PTSD. And that's usually what survivors experience. And you are, traumatized yeah it's trauma it's deep trauma some some psychologists and psychiatrists are starting to use that despite Mm -hmm. despite it's not being included yet but Mm -hmm. but it is absolutely valid and if you think you might be experiencing this level of trauma absolutely google that and and look up the symptoms this is something that many many uh survivors of domestic violence and narcissistic abuse experience. To recap, the narcissist abuse leads to self-doubt, erosion of self-esteem, but then at the same time, they become attached to the person that's causing this. So this is a phenomena that, that is very destructive. And this is why it's a cycle that's very difficult to break out of. And then yeah. if you overlap that with finances, like you're living with the person, you share, actually maybe you have children with them, Maybe there's yeah. an overlining substance abuse problem, alcohol, pills, or or drugs. Then it gets even more, like you almost sink into the quicksand, so to speak, even more. Because it's not just dealing with the ongoing abuse, but now you have to deal with all these other problems that, that have occurred uh, from being in a relationship with this person. Exactly. And, and they will isolate you from your friends and family. 
they will financially abuse you. Financial abuse is a thing. Mm -hmm. It can be anything from them taking out credit in your name, using your car and your insurance, moving into your place, anywhere all the way up to preventing you from working or forcing you to work. You know, it's financial abuse is very common in these types of situations. So that makes it doubly hard to leave, especially in Vancouver. I mean, when a one bedroom apartment costs, you know, two grand plus, right? It is insane. It is insane. And the housing crisis is not helping people in situations where they are experiencing violence. There's just no, there's no social safety net. There's no, there's no housing for people. And honestly, if your choice is staying at home or going to a shelter somewhere, I mean, come on, what what are you going to pick? Of course, you know, and then that's a scary thing, right? Going to an emergency shelter, you have no idea what you're okay. getting yourself and you're going, yeah. you're stepping out in the abyss and the unknown. Yep. And and as, as bad as it sounds, at least you know what you're, what you're getting into if you continue going home. Okay, maybe he'll be cool today. You know, I mean, you, you've usually worked out some way of, of, of coexisting in that abusive relationship. So to cut that off completely and go into this absolutely new environment that's even unknown, which maybe in some cases you should because it's, it's getting to that point where violence is escalating and, and it might actually save your life, right? So yeah, sometimes every per- you have to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the shelters are are quite good. I do have to say that, but, but the spaces are very limited Mm -hmm. and there's just, there's just not a lot of options. And especially if you have, you know, kids and you have pets, are you supposed to leave your pets? Even people having pets now are having a hell of a time getting places just for having a dog or a cat. It's getting harder for people. Exactly. Um, speaking of pets, there was, I think it was last year, there was, um, it was, it made it to the news, the news cycle. Mm-hmm. And a woman had had her two small dogs murdered. Oh Do you remember God. that? Yeah, I kind of remember that. And now. I said to myself, that oh. is domestic violence. Oh, totally. And sure enough. And terrorism people, too. Yes. Like psychological yes. terrorism. They, they will, they will kill your pets. They will threaten to kill your pets. So leaving your pets and leaving yourself and leaving your pets with the abuser is I get a lot of DMs from, you know, people in bad situations. Some are very distressing because it's like you want to be able to help them and I try my best to send people resources and stuff, but as you know, the resources are pretty, you know, are used up. Yeah. And I was talking to a woman recently who's actually in a relationship with a very in a very bad situation and just like what you were talking about they're actually looking to get divorced mm-hmm. and and they're in that separation phase but because she had literally nowhere to go they're still living under the same roof but yeah. they're separated where it, it could be potentially dangerous when you're standing up to the person saying hey i'm leaving but we have nowhere to go so i'm here for a few months so you're on the ultimate eggshell now and and, and, yep. and that could be quite critical and i hear that and to that i say like even before anybody listening even before you get to that point of of having that conversation do some escape planning you yes. know get your paperwork and jewelry your important stuff photographs out of the house if you do have friends or family um, even if you've been separated over miles or, or you know, continents even, reach out to people. People are willing to help if you are in trouble, for the most part. 
um, see if you can sort yourself somewhere to stay. Like the day that you leave, if you have to pack your bag and just leave, do you have somewhere to go? Is all your stuff, do you have a go bag? You know, like that. Like do anything that you possibly can so that you can get out safely. Yes. And and that's called escape planning. And sometimes that takes months or or even longer. Um, just putting all your ducks in a row. You need to call home and say, hey, I, I need you to buy me a bus ticket. Do, yeah. do that. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do to survive, and and, yeah. and and that's what it comes down to. So to just to recap uh, the trauma bonding, right? So this is what I wrote for some notes because I was doing some research for the show. So this is what the definition of trauma bonding that I, that I... So it says trauma bonding is a psychological phenomenon that occurs when the victim becomes emotionally attached to the abuser as a result of repeated cycles of abuse and affection. This bond is created as a result of the abuser's manipulative tactics, such as intermittent reinforcement, which you mentioned, right? Yeah. Gaslighting. And the abuse. Yeah. And other forms of uh, emotional manipulation. In a trauma yeah. bonding relationship, the victim becomes dependent on the abuser for emotional support, validation, despite the abuse they endure. The victim may begin to rationalize the abuser behavior and believe that they're the only person that who can meet their needs. This creates a cycle of abuse and affection that can be difficult for the victim to break as they become emotionally attached to their abuser. So that's pretty insane when you think about it on paper, right? So this person that's doing this, all this to you, you become more attached to them as they more abuse you. And this is why it's first important to recognize abuse and that it's happening to you. You have to come to grips to it because you don't want to think you're abused. Who wants to think of themselves as a victim? You know, even myself, like I was like, is this abuse? I know it didn't feel good. No. I know I felt like shit. I was walking on eggshells, you know, but I thought to myself, God, well, it's not like he, you know, beats me up every day. And right. so many people think this still to this day that, I mean, domestic violence, the way it sounds, sure, you know, it it's can awful. give you that idea that it's always violent. No. But um, I, a lot of people are calling it intimate partner violence now, and that yes. sort of seems to cover a lot more. Mm -hmm. It's literally all the stuff that we talked about today emotional abuse you know sexual abuse reproductive yeah. coercion there's there's a thing going on now called stealthing where you just take off the condom oh yes yeah I heard that. yeah like jesus christ you know yeah. and it's abuse is so much more than just physical violence so if you you know, anybody listening, if, if you are constantly being put down, if you're walking on eggshells, if someone's screaming in your face, if they if they block your exit, like you, they don't let you leave, they trap you in a room, like all of these things are. We remember that movie. I can't remember the name of the movie, but it had J-Lo in it and she was married to that guy and then she learns how to fight and she ends up beating the crap out of him. He was like this really horrible abuser. I oh. God, vaguely, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, but that is and like, I, that is I, what 
people think when they think of like a domestic violence, like a monster, where's my dinner? And then all of a sudden the belt yeah. comes out. You know, of course there are idiots like that. And then and they should hopefully they will be in jail as quickly as possible because they really step over the line. But most people where someone does that to you, oh, call 911. You know, it's almost like an instant cause and effect reaction. But no one's going to call the cops if someone's just gaslighting you. Yeah, and and gaslighting someone... you over years and years, and now you find yourself, yeah. you have depression, you have anxiety, you have underlying health issues. You wonder why, hey, why am I feeling like this? I feel sapped of my strength. I feel my self-worth is down. The analogy, right? There's sharks, like the guy with the belt, he's a shark. He's just going to take yeah. a big bite out of you. And then there's like the nibblers, like little piranhas that just nibble, but they're just as effective and they'll eat away at you. you oh, know? my God. Narcissistic abuse is almost like death by a thousand cuts. That sure. sucks. Yeah. Because sure. they, they just chip away at you a little bit all the time, bite by bite. It's absolutely awful. It is. It is. And gaslighting, we didn't touch on that. Gaslighting is definitely part of that cycle as well. And it's a very, very effective tool, psychological abuse. Yeah, so maybe let's break down gaslighting quickly then, and then we'll do a show just on gaslighting because it's such a rich and complex topic in itself. Yeah, and it comes from that Alfred Hitchcock movie. God, like in the 60s, I think it was, Gaslight, and drove his wife crazy. Yes. Gaslighting. And there are some, I have heard of this story more than enough times where, well, literally move things you know like you know your wife comes home puts her purse on the side move and then he'll purse. take the purse and move it somewhere else yeah. and and literally absolutely drive her crazy yeah, and sure. that's that's the extreme version hide, of gaslighting hide, hide her car keys while they're in her pocket she's going yeah. crazy looking for them yeah. and put them out somewhere here they are say you know yeah look at her she she really is crazy and he has done that and that is it's more common than you would even think oh i've heard like all kinds of sick things so here's a just for the listeners never maybe you never heard of gaslighting before so here's a description of gaslighting so gaslighting this is a form of emotional abuse in which the narcissistic partner manipulates the other person's perception of reality causing yeah. them to doubt their own sanity or memory Verbal abuse, yeah. it, this is a form of abuse that the narcissistic partner uses words to hurt, belittle, demean the partner, and then, of course, emotional abuse, where the form of abuse which the narcissist partner use emotional manipulation to control their partner's behavior. So when I read all of them, these are like overlapping tactics, and this is what I've noticed and that I've witnessed is that it's not usually this one type of tactic, it's usually multiple tactics. Yeah, they, I didn't say that, you must have heard that wrong, I yes. didn't do that, what are you talking about? And, and even when you present, and this is going to resonate with people, even when you present the person with physical evidence, like like a text or a picture, for example, mm-hmm. you know, like oh, I, I never slept with her. Yeah. And and you have a picture of them naked in bed together. That's Photoshop. Somebody's trying to set yeah. me up. You know, that yeah. is it, that is how extreme gaslighting. And then if you once they admit that they slept, well, can... why are you making such a big deal out of it? Or they will pull the victim card out and oh, yeah. blame you because you're so frigid yeah, and you don't do the things I like. Yes. What I've witnessed, it's like the come up with a master ability 
to one, never take any accountability for their action. They can worm their way out of any action they've done, manipulate, lie, just to make them sound better. But then yeah. it's always the other person's fault. They, they didn't do this. They shouldn't do that. Well, they do nothing, right? Yeah. Which I, this is the, for personally, this is what I find infuriating. Some of the tactics that I've used personally when I've been in, in these types of relationships, I simply got to the point where I recorded every single conversation I would have. So then when yes. the argument was inevitable and they would deny it, I would just simply play it for them. And then chorus, oh, you're recording me now. Oh. Yeah. And then you just, I got tired of playing, oh, you said this, I said that, because it's infuriating. Because I tend to be a blunt individual, I'm a non-bullshit type of person. I usually, yeah. And usually I'm pretty outspoken when something bothers me. And I found with these types of people on this spectrum, it's sometimes the worst thing you can do. Uh, 100%. And probably what you're getting after is uh, gray rock. Yes. A lot, of, a lot of people recommend gray rock method, which basically means you, you become very bland you yes. don't talk back you don't have your strong opinions you you literally become sort of like like a like a gray rock yes. uninteresting in in the hopes that the narcissist won't bore them to death right yeah but the problem with gray gray rock and i don't recommend it is because it's it, sometimes in the short term you know while you're escape planning sure yes be be as less of you know an outgoing person as you are and i'm the same as you i i'm outspoken i have i have real trouble with with gray rock and it's and for most people um it's hard to do mm -hmm. and it's and it's not meant to be a long-term strategy so if you find yourself needing to do gray rock that's an indication that you need to get out of this relationship mm -hmm. and if you're using gray rock simply to survive until you can get your get everybody out the door and away from this person mm -hmm do that but it's not a long-term strategy that you're going to do gray rock for the next 20 years until your kids are grown up because right. you'll literally just be like a shadow of your oh performers. totally yeah it's hard to keep up uh, something yeah. that i did and the only because this, this helped me because i have you know from my background i was in corporate sales and stuff uh, with my jobs i've had to deal with some very difficult people and you had to deal with them because they're like the big ceo or the vice president of this other company and and a lot of the types of deals that i would do uh they're they're like very industrial type of deals oil companies refineries very big you know some one was like a large uh, a metal smelting factory so there's a lot of complexities to these uh deals so these these deals would take sometimes a year long to accomplish. So you would have to interact with these people. And and they were pretty brutal to deal with. And you had to, right? It was your, your work yep. required. So I got good at being very clinical with them, if that made sense. Just answer yep. their questions specifically. Don't really give them a little bit of gray rock, but I'd almost be a little more clinical. Don't react. Yep. Uh, pretend like you're a doctor and you have a ward of, of uh, crazy, you know, patients that you're dealing with. So you expect their behavior. You expect them yeah. to say unhinged things or insulting things. And then I would actually stop reacting to the insulting uh, comments. I would just simply say, I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> you know I what I mean? That's so practice for you. I got to say, like yeah. having all that experience 
exposure and just being able to practice like non-reaction all of that time, I mean, wow, that's a lesson you don't get um, too often in life, you it, know? It did help me. And then and then one uh, uh, situation I was in where, where uh, the relationship became so combative where I just stopped combating back. And then yep. what I would do in the morning, I would do a check-in. Right. Uh, say, is everything okay today? I just want to make sure you're going to have a good day. Is there anything we need to discuss? Is there anything on your mind? And then if anything came up, I'd say, well, I did try to address you with this. Well, why didn't you bring it up earlier? And then, and then I just simply, you know, you're gray rocking, but you're still trying to show a little empathy, even though you don't really feel like it. So you're not doing like what they want though. And this is what it, they want you to be combative. They want you to be agitated. They want you to be unhinged and off your yeah. game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the same across all platforms. And honestly, like I, as we sit here, I take my, my notes and I mean, so many show ideas. Did you know that um, CEO is one of the top professions along with surprise cops yeah. um, that attracts those with uh, high levels of narcissism. Yes, I heard that and I believe that. I heard that uh, in the general population, roughly like six to seven percent of males have narcissistic traits, right? And And then in the corporate world, this when you go up to CEO, the C suite, it's almost yep. a twenty percent of the of, yep. of that at population. Least, and I mean, yeah. who, is, who is taking these these you know um, also like I I I suspect mm -hmm. as much as we're talking about it and everything mm -hmm. that it's it's possibly even more of the, more higher higher of a percentage. Oh yeah, true. In, in in other industries, I would say when I was in the stockbroker industry, I would say like about fifty percent. Oh, you know what I mean? Oh, These God. guys were insane. Yep. Like 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 you know, like that that show the wolf part. on Wall Street. You know, I seen crazy stuff like that. Yeah. His wife and I follow each other uh, on Instagram, and she, I mean, I mean, what she went through. That's that's an extreme version. Anybody yeah. that wants to watch. A narcissist at work and, and what we're Wall talking Street, about yeah. job that you worked at go watch wolf of wall street and then you, and you add cocaine and booze and money like i couldn't imagine like some of these characters in real life who now have millions of dollars cocaine to fuel all their crazy ideas and then unlimited yeah. money and, and, and also yeah. be in a position where you know people are kissing their butt because they have a powerful position and they're you know giving away or, or providing high paying jobs to people. Right? Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. It's, we could even, uh, I should write down a list of, of good movies to watch about narcissism. Yeah. Let's do that. I was thinking that we could go like, look at some different like characters of uh, movies and kind of do like a breakdown of them as well, because they, it's funny. Like I said, in the very beginning of our, of our uh, podcast today, when I thought about narcissism back in the day, I used to think about, you know, an arrogant person, maybe dressed all yeah. preppy and designer clothing, too good for anything. And, and now I actually look at a person like that. I don't see them as a nurse. I see them as just, just insecure. There are nurses that take that trait. But and now as time goes on, the people that I now categorize as a narcissist, they don't they're not like that at all. A lot of times they're quite unattractive and they're and it's it's because of that. Uh, they're they're trying to overcompensate for being uh, really at the end of the day, and I'm not trying to be disparaging, but some people are shitty people, and this is the way they are. Yep. They don't have a lot going on for them. They're abusive. 
they're horrible to deal with. They're the type of people that go to a restaurant or fast food and their fries are cold and they want to talk to the manager. And next thing you know, they're, you know, they're on TikTok, you know, playing their arms around, right? Yeah. These are the people, they, they, they want constant confrontation from people. Yep. And again, don't forget it on a spectrum from, mm-hmm. you know, from somebody who, who maybe does really take care of their body, you know, gym rats and mm-hmm. that all the way down to someone with full blown narcissistic personality disorder. Yes. You know? Absolutely. Well, again, you know, going being a person that did go to gyms and still do and, you know, uh, <laughs> the fitness world. Oh, absolutely. I, it's like yeah. I worked. It was kind of funny. I worked in, uh, in a nightclub and then during the day I would work out in the gym. I was a bouncer at a nightclub this is like in the uh, early 90s. And I'm surprised we haven't run into each other have. without giving too much away. I um, yeah, I feel like we know some mutual we'll people. Probably do. And then it's funny because they're the same idiots you'd see during the day at the gym or the same idiots in the bar, you know, uh, same thing again. Uh, You know, again, I I don't want to label everyone with a narcissist brush. Some people are just, you know, they just don't have good social skills. So they almost create like a a character, a a construct that they feel that that's the the face they should be put out in the world, right? And and then maybe in in a lot of times in these situations, I actually see it's more tied to insecurity and and yep. not really being a confident person when you're like, let's say you're a six foot tall man and you weigh 300 pounds of rippling muscles and you're still doing more drugs and more steroids because you still, and I met these kind of guys because they think they're small. They have like a body dysmorphia yeah, body uh, condition. Yeah. And, and I don't really see them as nurses. I see them almost as broken children that, you know, yep. I'm talking about these extreme like cases of that. Yep. Or the woman and, that you know, gets like the triple E, double D boobs, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's very, I mean, human psychology is, is complex and it's also not complex because, yeah. you know, that's, that's another topic for another day too. You know, like when we're looking at somebody like Dr. Gabor Matei, he's from mm-hmm. Vancouver too, and he talks about trauma and addiction and yes. sometimes modifying your body you know for women like you talked about or eating disorders mm-hmm. going to the gym for guys and that it's it's almost an addiction and, and a lot of addictions stem from childhood trauma and that's yeah. something that you know maybe we can look at next time too you know how, sure. how narcissism is created out of adverse childhood experiences and that so it's all it's all kind of related so you touched on something and definitely i think a lot of you including myself included the things that or makes us kind of screwed up does stem from childhood the more older i get i realize that right if you have you know the type of relationships that i would get myself into because i had a crazy mother i'd always get into relationships where i felt like i had to save the woman you know you're the savior you're the you know and rescuer. then yeah rescuer and then i was spending all my energy doing that instead of putting that energy into myself and making myself better yep. and then maybe you know hate to say it but attracting a better quality person and like i like i put on my page all the time you know having a narcissistic parent sets you up to accept abuse in later relationships yes absolutely um, you become conditioned that, you do and and the the patterns that you learn in your family whatever those are you will tend to repeat those in your in your adult life so i do enjoy doing these shows with you i i we go back Me and too. forth That's we can we have a lot of stuff that we can talk about and i hope yeah. that we can develop this into a successful series because you know a lot of people like the first one hope they like this one 
Uh, I just want to touch on the Adam H situation. There's a Facebook group called Stop Adam H. If you were a victim, if you yep. went through uh, the last door as a male, or if you went to the new Westminster House as a female, and you've had uh, negative uh, interactions with them, please contact me uh, via Facebook or uh, Instagram. Send me a DM. I'd love to hear your testimonial off the record even i had a guy call me yes he didn't want to he didn't want to use his name or anything he called me i listened to his testimony um i'm happy to do that right so i it's it's a it's a complex story it has a lot of moving parts and a lot of victims so i'm at this stage i want to hear everyone's testimony and and uh figure out what we can do as a community to prevent this from happening and I think we're doing that already just by doing this podcast. And I hope that in some way this can change the way that these recovery houses are maybe, you know, looking at placing vulnerable people with people of the opposite sex, whatnot. Maybe, maybe that can be revisited because that's at the end of the day, it's not the best idea. No. And then like you said, it's almost inevitable that a person uh, who has access to a pool of vulnerable women are going to be, yeah. there. it's just, it's just like, you know, wolf in sheep clothing. They're going to, it's, yeah, it's going to be highly attracted to that. You know? Yeah. And they, they need to do better. You need to do better for your vulnerable uh, populations. And, and it's really not that hard. Exactly. 